it's a it's a little hard to preach sermons that are really kind of hopeful, uplifting, risk-taking kind of sermons after a week like we just had where we have people being executed in grocery stores and synagogues having mass shootings inside of them and um uh, I, I just, I feel like as the pastor of this church, I have to say something every time this happens, and I get really tired of having to say stuff about this. And I get really tired of praying the prayer, how long are we going to have to pray these prayers, God? And I was telling that to a friend of mine who's the district superintendent up in Albuquerque, which if you're not a Methodist, that word means nothing to you. He's, he's one of my mentors. He's a really great pastor in Albuquerque. And I was talking to him about this one time, and he said, Ross, don't you think that God gets tired of us saying how long? Don't you think God is answering our prayers by saying, yeah, that's what I'm wondering, how long? Um, my prayer is that we would be courageous as followers of Jesus to put down our guards and to take action, to work with one another, to actually try to protect people. I don't have the answers, and you don't have the answers, but I think we have the answers. It's, it's not about who's right and who's wrong and how we go about making this a better place to live and more like heaven on earth. Um, it's about who is the willing to take the risk to really try the way of Jesus. Because if we say Jesus is the Savior of the world... We should mean that in a very literal and real way. That the way of Jesus can actually save the world. And so in the next few weeks and months, I'm going to be pushing really hard and challenging us to experiment and to actually test out what it means to live in the way of Jesus every week and to report back to one another what that looked like for you and where you found it difficult and where you found it easy and how your life was changed. Because I think that if we're going to call ourselves Christians, we ought to try it out sometime. Me included. Because I have a lot of room to grow. And so we start this sermon this morning. Hey, will you toss me that? We start this sermon this morning um, with that in our mind. That being a Christian is more than like making a mental assent to say that we believe something or to believe that we actually believe something. But as Dallas Willard said, you have to do the thing to show people that you believe it. And that's a really old idea. The women's Bible study that we're on Thursdays is finding out, James said that a long time ago, that faith without works is dead. You can say whatever you want to say, but if you're not doing something, you don't really have faith. And that's for all of us. So... Maybe start this week by reading the book of James. It's just a few chapters. Read it because it's very prophetic in a way that like, I feel like James is stepping on my toes too much. It's not an easy book to read. So here we go. John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51 says this. The next day, Jesus wanted to go into Galilee and he found Philip. So this is the day after the calling of the first disciples. You know that story, drop your nets, follow me, I'll make you fishers of people. So the next day, Jesus wanted to go into Galilee and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. 
And Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael. And Philip said to Nathanael, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and the prophets, Jesus, Joseph's son, from Nazareth. And Nathanael responded, Can anything good come from Nazareth? That's like us saying, Can anything good come from Doniana? <laughs> and Philip said, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here is a genuine Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael asked him, How do you know me? And Jesus said, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are God's son. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe me because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You'll see greater things than these. I assure you that you will see heaven open and God's angels going up to heaven and down to earth on the human one. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation and may God give us wisdom and courage as we try to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. Amen. Think big and start small. Three weeks ago now, I had my friends Paul and Janice from Carlsbad come, and they sat up on this stage and they talked to us about a calling that they had on their lives to college ministry that they didn't even know they had on their lives. Their, their yes to God was this, we want to be used. And then this youth pastor girl came up to them and said, hey, would you host a college Bible study at your house? And they said, yeah, we'll do that. That seems pretty simple. And then she added to it and said, well, while you're hosting it, do you mind leading it? And they said, sure. 20 years later, They've been saying yes every Monday night and have affected hundreds of people's lives, mine and my wife's being two of them. Think big and start small. Last week we met Zach and Annika, my friends who live in Thailand and are missionaries there. Zach works with coffee farmers there to help them produce more coffee of a better variety so that they can make a larger profit and actually make a real living raising coffee because the drink that we all love so much, typically the people who grow it are deeply impoverished because they can't make very much money growing coffee. And Zach is thinking big and starting small. He teaches them how to grow in this one particular way of growing. And he said, you start with a very small garden and get really good at that. And then you expand it a little and get really good at that. And all the while you're thinking really big, but you're starting really small. And we think like, that's crazy. This guy lives in Thailand and he's from the panhandle of Texas. He started by at one point in his life saying, yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you. For real, I'll follow you. Wherever you want me to go, however you want to lead me, I'll do that. And it seems crazy to us that this kid from the panhandle of Texas married a lady from South Africa, and now they live in Thailand. 
When I was in seminary, we used to have conversations sometimes when we would go back to our hometown and people would say, how's it going? It's really, it's really impressive that you guys were so bold to sell your house and quit your jobs and move to this city where you didn't know anybody so that you could give your whole life to this education, to being a pastor. And it didn't feel like any bold step at all, really. It just felt like what we were doing. What felt bold to me is when I would go to the Catholic seminary just down the road from where Michelle and the girls and I lived because I liked to study in their library better because it felt like I was studying in Hogwarts and I would sit in there and feel smarter just by the wood on the walls like emanating into my body, you know, and I would, I would uh, look around and see these 20 something like early 20 something dudes walking around with clerical collars on their necks and I was realizing the dedication that they had to their calling was much different than the dedication that I had to my calling. And it seemed like a huge sacrifice. And I sat and talked with one of those guys one day and he was like, it's no big deal. It's just like what exactly like what you're doing. And I was like, yeah, there's one major difference between what you're doing and what I'm doing. You know what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) Think big. And start small. I wanted to make a rubber band ball. And I looked online to find out how to make a rubber band ball. And they said it's hard. So you should just get like a golf ball or a ping pong ball or a cork ball of some sort. And start wrapping rubber bands around that. Because it's really hard to start it with just a rubber band. And because I'm stubborn and do things the hard way, I was like, I'm not doing that. And so I just wadded up a rubber band and wrapped a rubber band around that and wrapped a rubber band around that and wrapped a rubber band around that because I want to make a real rubber band ball. I want to make a big one. Think big and start small. There are rubber bands all in your seats. As the rubber band ball comes around you, wrap the rubber band around the ball. It's a little harder than you think. Was for me anyway. When I was um, in college, I had this interaction with Jesus that was based off of an interaction that my dad had with Jesus. He went on this retreat called a walk to Emmaus, and uh, it was changed. Not that he was a bad guy before, but like when we went deer hunting right after that, instead of listening to Creedence Clearwater Revival and Led Zeppelin, we were listening to cheesy Christian music. And I wondered what happened. So I went on the same kind of retreat that he went on. It's called a walk to Emmaus. If you've never gone on a walk to Emmaus, you really should do it. And, and I had this encounter with Jesus on a walk to Emmaus. And it's the most mystical experience that I've ever had. We had a time of prayer and meditation, and I heard my dad's voice saying, like, just go with it, like, do what's happening, don't, just, just be there. And so I was like, this is weird and cheesy, and we're crammed into this tiny little round chapel at Holy Cross Retreat Center. Some of you may know what I'm talking about. And we were crammed in there. I think there were like 40 dudes all in there trying to sit down, and, you know, you're just kind of like, like this, trying to not be all over each other, other, and the, the guy who was leading the meditation said, it's just you and Jesus in the room. Like you're the only ones left. And, and I felt people, they got us, some guys got up and left and there was more room and I could kind of, I felt more comfortable. And so I was sitting there and I was like just being present. I had my eyes closed and um, I don't remember what all the guy was saying, but in my mind's eye, I saw somebody walk up to me. I could just see their feet. They were bare feet. They walked up to me and handed me a towel. 
I don't I didn't know what that was about at all until I started telling my then girlfriend, now wife, Michelle, about it. And she's like, well, that's the servant towel. You're being called to ministry. And we soon broke up after that. <laughs> but I had said, like, I just want to follow Jesus. I want Jesus to change me, and I want to be part of something bigger than myself. I actually want to be part of something that changes the world. I was thinking big, and I didn't even know where to start, so I just started with this one simple yes. I'll go on this retreat, which led to this one simple thing of like, okay, I'll do the... I'll, I'll like understand what this calling means, which eventually led me to the Wesley Foundation, the Wesley Student Center. What, right? Throw your hands up. You're from Wesley. And while I was there, I felt like, okay, it's about youth ministry. And that happened because I went to this retreat where we were leading youth students on a retreat. And I had a call to like what I felt like was youth ministry specifically. So I said yes to that, which led me to applying for a job at the church that I went to in college. And I got it as a youth ministry intern. It was a huge church, like 1,500 people there on the weekends, uh, 70 or 80 kids in a youth group. And I said, yes, like I'll do that. And so I led a small group and I got paid to do ministry. And it was amazing, which led me to saying yes to moving back to my hometown to do youth ministry there, which led me to saying yes to selling my house and quitting my job with move to Denver, which led me to saying yes to going to Abilene, Texas to plant a church which led me to saying yes to come here. And it just keeps happening. It's really weird what happens when you say yes over and over. And you're thinking big, like I want to be something, I want to be about something and be part of something way bigger than myself. I want to be part of something that changes the world in the name of Jesus. I want to live this thing out for real live it. Like I want to know what the Beatitudes are about and try to live those things. Think big and start small. Jesus wanted to change the entire world. The book of John says that Jesus came to save the world. Not just my soul and your soul, but to change the world, to save it. Through the way he lived and the way he taught, we know that it was about more than the afterlife. It was about the here and the now. But he couldn't do it by himself. He had this big dream. He was thinking really big, but he couldn't do it by himself. He spent a lot of time, like 30 years, trying by himself as he was working as a carpenter and learning and, and taking up the craft of being a rabbi at the same time. He was like bivocational and, and, and full-time student, like full-time worker. He was doing the thing, David. And, and um, he needed help. So he was walking along one day and he looked over and he saw these guys that had been around some and they'd been following his cousin around. His cousin was named John and John was like doing the thing. And so he looks over at these guys that had been following John and he says to them, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. And they drop their nets and they start following him. They were the B team, by the way. They, they, weren't, they weren't honor students. They didn't make varsity as sophomores or freshmen. Like they, they were the backups to the backups their senior year. They, they weren't, you know, they were the B team, C team, D team. They probably got cut. And the reason we know that is we, because we know the way that disciples were called in ancient times. Rabbis had disciples, and the way it would work is like the best students would 
test out, basically. And a rabbi would come to them and ask them a bunch of questions. And so, like, if I'm the rabbi and I'm talking to these girls here and I'd ask them a bunch of questions and they could pretend they're boys and they could answer all my questions the way that I needed them to answer them. When I thought they could do what I do, I would say, come follow me. And it was like they got drafted to the NFL or something. And these guys were fishermen, so we know they didn't pass that test. He called them. And they had some friends, and so they tell their friends about it. And this guy, Philip, gets found by Jesus. He wasn't anybody's disciple. He gets found by Jesus, and he's so excited because now he gets to be part of something bigger than himself. And he said yes. When Jesus said, come follow me, he said, yes, I'll, I'll follow you. Whatever happens, let's go. And he was so excited that he went and he found his friend Nathaniel. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You add a rubber band to the story and it just starts to grow and the change becomes exponentially bigger over time. Well, this guy, Nathaniel, is kind of like me. I like Nathaniel. He studies a lot. He's a bit of a skeptic. Seriously, Doniana? What good comes from Doniana? <laughs> and I like, I like Philip. He doesn't argue with Nathaniel. He just says, come and see. The proof's in the pudding. Come and see what this is about. This guy's amazing. And he's counting us in. So he goes and he sees him. And as he's approaching, Jesus says, like, hey, I know you. I saw you under the fig tree. And the fig tree is this weird thing in the Bible. Like, there's various times that you hear about fig trees. One of the times is in Genesis when Adam and Eve are covering their shame with fig leaves. Anybody ever seen a fig tree? They have these big leaves on them. And they bear fruit before the leaves actually come out. The first time I saw one was in uh, Michelle's backyard when we were dating. They had a fig tree back there. I, I thought it was just some kind of crazy, out-of-control bush because they hadn't pruned it and trained it to do anything. And I remember thinking, that's a great place to hide. That'd be an amazing hide-and-go-seek spot if I was a kid who still played hide-and-go-seek as a sophomore, junior in high school, which I never would have ever, ever done. <laughs> and Philip is under a fig tree. I wonder if he's hiding. Or Nathaniel's under a fig tree. I wonder if he's hiding. And I wonder what he's hiding from. And I wonder if the fact that he wonders if anything good could come from Nazareth means he's judging people from Nazareth. Because people who have a lot of shame in their life kind of push that out on other people and judge those other people. You know what I mean? I, I, nobody in this room does that, but you've probably received that. hiding under the fig tree. Not really wanting to say yes. Wanting more to be like, yeah, right. What could come good from Nazareth? It's hard to believe anything good like that's going on. You're crazy. I'm, I'm probably just going to hang out here. But I kind of like saying I told you so. So I'll go. I'll go check it out. His life has changed. I've been preaching about saying yes to the Holy Spirit when we get the chance to say yes to the Holy Spirit. 
But I haven't done, I didn't do the work to think about why we might say no. One of the reasons we might say no is we might have a lot of shame. Because if you're like me, you've done things that you don't like talking about, that you wish had never happened, that you're embarrassed that you ever got involved in. And so it's like, nah, I don't want to do that thing. Like, I can't do what. Give me a break. Like, God's not going to use me because of that thing. Like, we were hiding under the fig tree. Or it may be, I'm not smart enough. How could I ever answer the questions that somebody might ask? And, and I don't even know how to go about starting to learn that stuff. And so we just hide under the fig tree. Or it might be that, like, the family you came from has some sort of shame and you don't know, like, you just, you know, you just hide under the fig tree. And there are all these reasons to hide under the fig tree. But this guy from Nazareth keeps coming along and saying, come out from under the fig tree. Come on. Think big. Don't get caught in the small thinking of where you've been and what you've been part of and the people you've been around and what you haven't done. Think big. Take a risk. Let's go. Like It starts with one small yes. It starts with wadding up one rubber band and wrapping another one around it, and wrapping another one around it. And before long, it's this thing that happens. Before long, you never know. You might be moving to Thailand, but that's not a reason to say no right now because when that happens, you won't, it won't be even a thing for you. It'll just be like, that's how I live life. Morningstar, what happens when we become the church that says yes? And when I say the church, I'm not talking about this church, although I'm talking about this church. I'm talking like big C church worldwide. What happens if we become the church that says, yes, Holy Spirit, I will do that thing that you're asking me to do because I trust you. Here's, do you remember that time in the Bible where Peter walks on water? You may not remember that because you remember Jesus walking on water, but Peter walked on water, a B-teamer. A guy who had been a fisherman because he didn't have what it took to be a rabbi walked on water. And as he's walking along on the water, he starts sinking. And Jesus walks across the water over to where he is and lifts him up. Does anybody remember what Jesus said to him? Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? He obviously wasn't doubting that Jesus was walking on water because he could see it. What Peter was doubting was himself. He was doubting that Jesus had called him out because he could actually do what Jesus did. And he was doing it. And then he remembered the fig tree, I think. And he started sinking. And Jesus said, I'm not going to call you out to a place that you can't do this. Get up and walk. That was like a catchphrase of Jesus, by the way. Get up and walk. Pick up your mat. Take off. Carry your cross. Walk. What happens if we're that church? The church that walks on water. But it doesn't start with walking on water. It starts with dropping your nets. What happens? If we dream big and we trust that the yeses are yeses. Do you remember that book, The Prayer of Jabez? 
Who loved that book? Don't put your hands up. I hated that book. My parents are back there raised. Oh, we loved it. The prayer of Jabez bugs me because this, like, I'm glad you don't know it because that means it's kind of out of the Christian ethos. But here, here's the thing about the prayer of Jabez. This guy in the Old Testament prays a prayer. His name happens to be Jabez. And he prays a prayer, God, enlarge in my fields. And all of a sudden, like, God enlarges his fields. And so they wrote a book being like, hey, if you pray this prayer, you'll get a lot of stuff. Like, your fields will be enlarged and your faith will grow, all that. And I remember thinking, like, why would I pray that? I don't even have the fields that I have full. Uh, why? Let me fill this thing up and then I'll pray that prayer. But here's the thing. I, I think that if I fill the field up that God, that gets hard to say. If I fill the field up that God gave me, it's already going to expand. Because it's this small series of yeses that happens over time. And if it doesn't expand, we can just jump the fence. What if we're that church? What if we're the church that's the healing church? What if we're the church that finally says like, yeah, we're not going to put up with all this racism of executing people in grocery stores and walking. We're not doing that anymore. We're going to like bring the gospel to the world through the way we live our lives for real. We're not going to worry about party affiliation. We're not going to get caught up in that nonsense. We are about the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. What if, what if we dream big and start small in the name of the Father, Son,